Amen. Great singing today. How about that? Isn't that great? Thank you, choir and AJ. What a blessing it has been. I want to remind you and some of you of are new to us and haven't been here every year, but I want to invite you to come tonight for our candlelight service and the, um, our cantata. We have a wonderful choir, as you can see. They'll have a great cantata tonight, and then that'll be followed by the candlelight service. So that's part of it. If you haven't been to that, I really invite you to come and be a part of it. Wednesday night is uh, another big night. It's treat night. Be sure you come and get your treat bag. That's a big night in our church. Our children uh, will have a play. We'll have some singing. We'll have a good night of fellowship and worship. I invite you to be here for that. Uh, I will tell you, treat night is one of my favorite nights, one of my favorite worship services that we have all year. And so don't miss it. If you've never been, if you've been 75 times, keep coming. It's a wonderful thing. And uh, we love treat night. I, I know we had last, and I'm not, I don't usually start off with a lot of announcements, but I just want to tell you. Um, last week we were out of church. You know, we don't, we don't send out a voice tree message. We put it on the television. And so as soon as we can, uh, know that, make that decision, then we'll let you know about it on the TV. So you don't have to worry about it. It's right there on channel 12 and we'll put it there every time. And if you don't see anything from our church on channel 12, we'll have church and, we usually make that decision based on trying not to get people out. I know a lot of folks can make it. Last Sunday, it, it was fine, really. But we felt it was probably the best thing to do on Saturday when we were looking at the weather. So uh, anyway, that's how it works. If you are also new with us and if you uh, see, if you don't have a Bible, we have a few Bible there and we invite you to take that and use that. If you don't have a Bible at home, take it home with you. It's good. If you have one now, don't you don't need to take it. Just leave it for us. But uh, if you don't, then then that's that's good. We would love for you to have that. Uh, I'm going to talk today about the wonder of Christmas and God choosing Mary. It is really an amazing story. This whole miraculous story of Christmas. And every time that I get to go through this, I revisit this every year, and I'm just amazed even more. And the older I get, the more amazed that I am that God worked. To bring his son into the world through Christmas. And I told you the, the two weeks ago when we started this, I said that God had been silent for 400 years. He hadn't said a word. The, the word, the prophets had been silent, had no new prophet, no, no new word from God. God had promised the Messiah. The nation of Israel was in terrible condition. They, they were taken over by their enemies. Their, their, their very way of life had been threatened. It seemed to, to be a dire time. God just didn't seem to answer their prayer to come. And yet they had his word, which was constant and believable. And then God began to act. And we see that in the Gospels, how God acted. He came to Zechariah the priest, the angel Gabriel, came to Zechariah the priest and told him that they would bear a son who would be the forerunner of the Messiah. Today we see the birth of Jesus foretold by the angel. We see God beginning to work in, in silent, often unseen ways to work. I, I, we could almost stop the sermon and say, listen, 
when God says something, you can count on it. Don't, don't ever church think God has forgotten you or you've run out of time or he didn't, he didn't mean that for this generation. He didn't mean it for this time. No, God's word is constant. It never goes away. It's always reliable. And whatever he says, you can count on it. You can know that it'll happen. God will do it just the way he said. So I want you to believe that. I want you to know that. I want you to put that in your heart this Christmas season. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 1. I'm going to read 26 through 38, and then we're going to talk about it and get right on with this today. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. And the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. What an announcement to a mom. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I've not had sexual relations with a man? And the angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore, the Holy One will be born, will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. Church, if you don't ever write in your Bible, I want you to write that in your Bible. For nothing will be impossible with God. Underline that, highlight that, index that page. You need to know that for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel left her. Father, thank you for your word. Speak deeply into our hearts today. Don't let us miss the great miracle that you've given us this season. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want you to look at this passage briefly. I'm gonna do something a little bit different. I wanna go through the passage with you and I'm gonna conclude with only two points. I only have two points. So how about that? You gotta be happy about that. It's still gonna take the whole time, but it's all right. It's okay. You're not getting out early. You're not getting out early. That's right. It's just doing, just changing things a little bit. In the sixth month, that's the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. You know, that's an amazing story. Elizabeth in her seventies, she was considered childless. Gabriel, the angel appeared to her and said, you're going to have a baby. And guess what? Six months later, she's six months pregnant. When God says something, you can count on it. This is the same Gabriel that came to Daniel, told Daniel that right in the middle of the captivity in Babylon, he said, I'm going to deliver, that God's going to deliver the nation of Israel. And he's going to deliver it in this order. And he laid out the 70 weeks of Daniel that we just talked about on Wednesday night. He laid out God's plan from delivering Israel to the end of time. He did that in four verses, church. How about that? God has a plan. He's working that plan out. You don't have to worry about it. You, you, just, you just have to trust him. You just have to trust him. Every, every day, I, I, I myself... I have to remind myself, these promises are for me. These promises are for the church. They're for people who are suffering, who are grieving. These, these are real promises that God has given us. You can count on them. So in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel sent by God. Can you imagine that? That Gabriel sent from the throne room of God shows up in Mary's house. I love that. The book of Daniel says the same thing, that he left, he left 
he left where God was and went right to Daniel. Right here, Gabriel left where he was with God, went right to the presence of Mary, this little girl, to a town in Galilee called Nazareth. Uh, let, let me just say it's a nowhere town and no, nobody cared anything about Galilee. Nobody cared anything about Nazareth. It was so far off the beaten path. It's not where anybody would have thought God would be, be working, but that's where, that's where he went. From the throne room of God to Nazareth. To a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph. Now, now you understand the idea of engagement and betrothal is different. You, you became, you, you became engaged to a, to a, a man at about 12 or 13 years of age. Uh, and of course a virgin is somebody who never had a sexual relationship. And so the engagement occurred or the betrothal occurred, and it lasted for a year. And during that time, you're legally married. Everything about a marriage, except the couple didn't live together. And you know what you had to do? The woman had to prove her purity, and the man had to prove he could he could support and provide for his wife. And so that was a trial time. But but you were married legally. It's, I mean, if you couldn't just say halfway through the betrothal, I, you know, I, I don't think I like Joseph, or I don't like Mary anymore. We're going to have to... No, they didn't do that. If you, if you separated that agreement, it was a divorce. And a divorce in that culture was just not acceptable. So this was a, this was a solid commitment. Here you have a 12 or 13 year old little girl and a, and a little fella who's probably 14 or 15. And God's getting ready to use him in a powerful way. They're, they're committed to be married. They've had no sexual relationship. And, and Gabriel the angel shows up to them. I, I've just tried to picture all week what, well, actually, I've had two weeks to picture this at AJ. So I, I've, I've just tried to picture what that would be like. What, what would it be like if you're sitting in your room one night and an angel shows up and, and speaks to you? And I, I, I just can't imagine. Now, he struck fear in Zechariah's heart. Uh, he, he probably did, he did the same thing with Daniel. I imagine this little girl, he had to tone it down a little bit or he would just scare her out of her wits. But he came to her, and he said a couple of things to her that's really important. Listen to what he said. He said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. How about that? You know, I'm talking about Mary this morning, but I could be talking about you. I I want to tell you that you're, you're, you're part of this favor, and God favors you. God, God is, God is with you. So you can, you can believe that too. But that's what he said. Greetings, favored woman. Now, this is one of the most misunderstood phrases that you'll ever hear in the Bible. And I'm, I'm not going to pick on the Catholic Church, but I just got to tell you this. The whole concept of Hail Mary full of grace comes from this passage of Scripture. And, and it comes from the idea that Mary was bestowed a special grace because of who she was. And as a matter of fact, one of the Catholic scholars says that um, when they say Hail Mary full of grace, that that interpretation comes right out of the Latin Vulgate. When the, when the Catholic Church translated the Bible from, from its original languages into Latin, it's called the Vulgate. It was the first real full translation of the Bible into Latin. And the Catholic Church used that for years. Well, they, I, I guess they, it's the basis of their of their scripture today. 
And, and this one scholar says that full of grace is too strong an interpretation. Because if Luke had wanted to say that, he would use the same term he used in Acts chapter 6, uh, verse 8, when he describes Stephen as being full of grace. And it gives rise to this faulty idea that Mary had every gift, not only every spiritual gift, but every secular gift, that, that she was especially blessed by God. And, and she was especially blessed by God. But she was a poor little girl that God came to and she was obedient and, and God used her in a powerful way. But today, and you know, the Catholic Church wrote the doctrine of immaculate conception that teaches that from the moment of her conception, the Blessed Virgin Mary was by the singular grace and privilege of God in view of the merits of Christ, kept free from the stain of original sin. So Pope Pius in 1854 said that she was free of original sin. I, one scholar wrote, could Mary meet a worse misunderstanding than that which happened in this philosophy? But she was a blessed woman. God used her in a powerful way. She was blessed. Of all the women in history, God picked her to bear his son. You know, uh, Diane just sang that beautiful song about Mary, that, that, that she touched the hand that would be the son of God, that, that she would deliver the son that would one day deliver her. That Jesus no doubt bore a physical resemblance to his mother because he was in every way God and in every way human. And so he had to have some of the physical characteristics of his mother. She nurtured him and changed his diaper and raised him and loved him. She was a blessed woman indeed. But she wasn't. We don't need to pray to Mary. We don't need to ask her for special favor because Mary's just like us. When Christ was crucified, she was at the cross. When the disciples were waiting for the Holy Spirit, she waited with them. She was right there. She was blessed. She was a blessed woman. But she wasn't divine. Some people think too much of her. We shouldn't think too less of her. We ought to acknowledge her for who she is. She was a faithful young lady. God, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. I love that statement. God is with her. He's available to us anytime. You know that, don't you? That God, through his Holy Spirit, has come into this world. Mary didn't understand how God could be with her. She she knew that this angel would come from the throne room of God to speak to her, and and God was with her. But you and I, we have the blessing of God being with us every day. He's with us, that we can appeal to him, we can go to him, we can ask him. We're told... To go to him boldly to the throne of grace. Approach the throne of grace boldly, says the writer of Hebrews. So we have access to God. So, so this, this is, this is a statement that can be said to us. Mary had a question about it in verse 29. She said, uh, she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. I, I think that's a smart thing to do. Sometimes you're going to read things in the Word of God that you're troubled by, that you, that you, she wondered, she, she, she dealt with, she considered them. She meditated on them, seriously considered the, the, the angel's message. And I, you know, I, I got a picture in this that Mary, this wasn't easy for her. This wasn't the kind of thing that a young girl would hear. Is it? I mean, 12 or 13, you, you gotta stay pure. You gotta show you're ready for marriage. And here is this angel standing in front of you saying that you're being favored by God. She says, what in the world are you talking about? 
there are things in the Word of God that do that for us. We, we, we've got to wrestle with it, grasp with it. You know, a couple of years ago, we preached through Psalm 119, 11978. I'll meditate on your precepts. Have, have you done that recently, church? Have you sat down and meditated on the Word of God? Have you thought through it? And I know sometimes we, we read it and we say, oh, I don't understand that. Or we read it and I say, I'm, I'm not sure about that. Or I don't know if I can agree with that. But have you taken it and meditated on it, thought on it, considered it? Mary wondered about what the angel said to her. And that's good. And then, and then listen to Gabriel's message in verse 30. He said to her, he said, the angel told her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. He reminded that he'd found favor with God. And now listen, you'll conceive and give birth to a son and you'll name him Jesus. Jesus means savior. It's a pretty common name. Probably nothing extraordinary at this point, except for the fact that she's going to have a baby and she's not supposed to be having babies yet. So there's a problem. He will be great and he'll be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Now, Joseph, Joseph was related to Joseph somehow in the family tree because the Bible tells us that he was from the family in line of David. So he came out of that lineage. That was the link to David's throne. But the, the, the angel said he'll be great and be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He'll reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. This kingdom won't go away. He won't die with a dynasty. It's going to last forever. So let, let me, let me summarize that for you. Here's what the angel said to Mary. You're going to become pregnant. You're going to call your son's name salvation. He's going to be the son of God and he will be the Messiah of the world. What an earful for a 12 year old girl. That's what he said. And Mary's response you got to love that. How can this be since I've not had sexual relations with a man? Now, she's not saying, I don't think this can happen. She's just wondering how it's going to happen. Good question. And the angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. That's a, that's a powerful way of saying that. Uh, for God to do something out of the ordinary, the Holy Spirit has to do that work for him. And that's, and that's what we're, we're told. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. The power, God's power will overshadow you the same way that God's presence and power overshadowed the disciples at the transfiguration. It, it, it'll be used for God's presence. So God's presence is literally going to come upon Mary and that's how she's going to get pregnant. And, and that's going to back up the next statement that I want to spend some time talking about. I'm just going to go over it to you today, but I want you to, I just want you to remember this. And, and the angel then offered some proof of this. He said, just think for a moment when I tell you this. You probably don't understand all this, but just remember your relative, your distant cousin Elizabeth. Everybody said that she couldn't have a baby. She's in her 70s, and she's way past the childbearing years, but she's now in the sixth month of her pregnancy. So God can do what he needs to do. And then the angel reminds us, for nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing at all is impossible with God. There, there's, there's not anything that God can't do. I, 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 want, you to, I want you to know that. Now I'm going to come back to it. And then listen to Mary's response. I'm the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done according to your word. And the angel left her. You know, I... I've had a few days to think about this. 
I'm not sure what I would do if the angel told me something like this. I'm a pretty logical, practical kind of person. If you tell me something, I kind of expect it to flow through the way of logic. It ought to be understandable to everybody. It ought to be, I'll be able to put my hand on it. I'll be able to do a step from A to Z and get there somehow. God didn't do it like that. And Mary didn't do it like that. She, 12 or 13-year-old girl, heard this great message and she said, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be done according to your word. When's the last time you said that to God about his word? When's the last time that we read his word and we studied it and we applied it to our life and we say, God, I don't understand this. I can't grasp this. I can't put my mind around it. I may not even agree with it, but may it be just the way you said it. That's the job of faith. And that's what Mary did. She did a great job with that. She said, it's too big for me to understand, but okay, I'll, I'll do it. I'm the Lord's servant. I'll do whatever he asks me to do. I'll go wherever he wants me to go. I'll try to accomplish whatever he wants me to accomplish. Church, I'll believe whatever he tells me to believe. I'll accept that. I'll follow that. We'll move on with it from there. So that's the, that's the word. And I, I've just got two statements to leave you in conclusion. You know, I've always got something to say at the end. First thought is that the real wonder of Christmas is that God uses the most unlikely, unlikely of us in his greatest task. He does that. You know, there's a lot of folks that all the time I hear people say, well, I'm, I'm not really qualified to do that. I don't know if God could use me to do that. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to do that. I don't know if, you know, with my, given my background and my past, if I need to be doing these kinds of things for God. God picked in a nowhere town, in a nowhere country, in a nowhere family, except for the fact they were in the line of David, a little girl that had no promise. Caiaphas, the high priest, probably had a daughter. God could have worked with her, but he didn't work with her. He went to Mary that nobody had ever heard of. God sees qualities in me and you that you don't see in yourself. God, God will use you in ways that you never thought that he could ever use you. And so what you and I have to do is we have to be say, Lord, I don't understand if you call me to do this or if you want me to do this. I don't know how you're going to do that. But let it be and I'll let you do it. That's the act of faith that we have to have. You got you to gotta, you gotta live just like that. We, we really need that in that life. If we learn anything from Mary, we learn that she was humble and meek and obedient and faithful. Humble and meek and obedient and faithful. And that's not proud and confident and, and self-righteous and, and self-assured. It's none of those things. Sometimes we just have to, we have to say, I'm, I'm not big enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not powerful enough. But God, on the other hand, is quite sufficient. That's what we need to say. So God might use the most unlikely of us. For the greatest task. It's all that way through the Bible. We see that's the way God operates. Church, you've just got to be ready that God might single you out. And oh, by the way, when you get a little bit older, you might think, well, I'm just about retirement years. But that's when God made Abraham a parent. That's when he made Zechariah a parent. God makes it a habit of using folks in their senior years. So you don't retire with God, right? You just keep working. 
the wonder of Christmas, number two, is that with God all things are possible. The application of this point is literally without limit. You and I, we have to know and believe that if we're believers in Christ. If your faith is going to matter for anything in your life, you have to know that with God, all things are possible. God can accomplish. Literally, literally that word is, for not impossible will be every word from God. For not impossible will be every word from God. If you go through his word, every word that God has given us is possible. It is truth. It's not something that you say, well, I don't know if this is really true. Uh, you know, I hear people debate the Bible and they say, well, I'm, I'm not really sure if this part of the Bible is true. You know, they'll say, well, you know, I, I don't know about Genesis. You know, I have a hard time with creation. I have a hard time with God just creating everything out of nothing in seven days. Do you really believe that preacher? I say, I absolutely believe that. I absolutely believe that God did it. If God can create something out of nothing, he can create it in any timetable he wants. So, yeah. Now, I don't know how all that mixes with science. I'm not a scientist. I'm, I have a minor in biology. I mean, I'm not completely ignorant in it. I don't think I would pass a MCAT on the biology part of it. But I, I know a little bit about biology. I understand that the Bible is not a book of science. It is a book of how God works. But I believe every word of this book is true. You need to believe that. Because with God, all things are possible. Over in Revelation chapter 14, verse 13, we read a passage of scripture that sometimes we miss and we just go over. And it says, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. That's, that's absolute truth, church. That is, that is, that is blessed. It didn't say blessed are those people that get better every time they have surgery and they overcome an illness and they live to be 110. Blessed. No, it said blessed are those people that die in the Lord. Every one of us in this church have stood by a loved one and we've grieved and our hearts have been broken. But the word of God says unequivocally that a person that dies in the Lord is blessed. That is absolute truth. That is absolute. Now, now you can just, you can just read through the Bible what blessing means. You can just read through the Bible how powerful that is. And you say, well, Jim, I don't understand how God can do that. You know, if I lose my loved one, then we're separated for the rest of this life. I don't understand. And, and the Bible says that when we're absent from the body, we're what? Present with the Lord? I mean, it's, that, is, that is absolute truth from the Bible. I don't, you know, I, I've heard it described and I tell, have told many people, many, many, far too many people. That when you lose a loved one, they take a breath in this world and they exhale in the next world. That's how great it is. That's a promise from God. You better, you better grab a hold of that one and believe it. And, and I know I've been there like you've been there and I have a hard time with it sometimes. But I say, listen, if God said that, I've got to trust it. I've got to believe it. I've got to count on it. Because with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. How about this one? Romans eight eighteen. For I consider the sufferings of this present time not worth comparing to the glory 
that's going to be revealed in us. Apostle Paul wrote that. He wrote that. He, he said, I consider the sufferings of this present time. And, and, you know, when you read that, you say, well, did Paul ever see someone die from cancer? Did he ever see someone that lost a loved one tragically? I mean, did Paul? Yeah, Paul knew all that. He'd gone through all of those things. And he said, you add up all the worst of circumstances in this world. And he said, I don't consider the sufferings of this world even worth comparing. Not even comparing to the glory that's going to be revealed in us. Now, church, you say, well, Jim, you're kind of going heavy here on Christmas. (laughs) But here's what I want you to know. Because I know there are a lot of people grieving here. I know there are a lot of people who lost loved ones. I know there are a lot of people who lost loved ones last year, and they're still grieving. Because, see, grief just doesn't go away. It doesn't just vanish. You don't get to a season of it and say, okay, I got that behind me. I'm all done. I'm going to move on. You don't really ever move on from it. So the only thing that you can do is you can be sad all your life, or you can take the promises of God and know that through God all things are possible. Everything that he says is absolutely true. That's what you got to say. That's the way you can have a joyful Christmas. You might have a Christmas that you're missing someone and that, that someone's gone, you have to readjust your families. And I've been through those where you have to readjust the family and you have to readjust your tradition and you have to figure out what you do when this person's gone that you love so much. But if you take your faith and take it seriously, just like Mary. Mary, this, that's what she did. She took faith at what the angel said She counted it as absolute fact. Let it be as it said. I'll do it. That's what you and I need to do. Let it be as it said. I'll live that way. I'll be confident with that word. I'll be encouraged by that word. I'll believe that word and I'll obey it and do it. Even if I don't agree with it or like it. Because if God said it, it is absolutely true and reliable. That's the word of God. With God. All things are possible. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray you'll speak to us clearly with it. I pray you don't let us have a, have a shadow of doubt. What you say is true. Completely reliable. God, I pray that you'll touch our hearts. If we don't know you, that we'll come to you. That if we don't understand your word, that you'll draw us closer to you that your spirit will be powerful. Speak to us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.